comes up. Here comes up. Y'all don't really worry like that. Yeah. Here comes up. Desert Storm family. 
it's so exciting to be back on the air after after a couple of weeks off, you know. But it, it's really good to just be back and just just talk about things I love. And one of those things I love is is college football. And this week we'll be talking about the Big Ten. Next week we'll be talking about the ACC. So a lot of big a lot of big things coming up in the next couple of weeks. Also next week we'll be talking about some high school football as well. Yeah, it's getting to be that time of year again, and I'm very excited to be to be a part of the Desert Storm family, and to be a part of again, be a part of a lot of my chance family, and and just just being here and being being alive and doing the things that I love to do. So, without further ado, man, we're gonna jump into the devotional. This is a good one, actually. It's called. It's from my friends at In Touch Ministries. And it, the title of it is, No Trial Has Begun God's Ability to Help. And the passage comes from Jude chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to, only, to, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. Before all time and now and forever. Amen. Though scripture is filled with promises from the Lord, we often struggle to accept them as true in our own life. But the Father wants us to believe that he's willing and able to do whatever he has said. God has assured us that we don't have to give in to the lure of sin. He sets a limit on temptation and provides a way out as in 1 Corinthians 10, 10, 13. Jesus experienced this truth when the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness for an encounter with Satan, as in Matthew, as in, as in, um, as it says in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Our Savior successfully resisted the devil's enticements by recalling who, who the Father is and what he promised. God limited the temptation to three challenges. And the way out through scripture is a powerful truth. The Lord has also pledged to keep us from stumbling. We live in a world that is full of landmines, which are either hidden from sight or disguised as something good. We do not seek them out, but once triggered, they lead to ungodliness. For example, Peter had a conversation with a servant girl and ended up denying that she that he knew Jesus Christ. Like the apostle we sometimes have trouble recognizing the situation's potential danger, but our Heavenly Father understands what is involved, and he knows just how we should respond. When you face temptation or encounter in an unexpected difficulty, the approach needs to be the same. Turn your attention to the Lord and keep it there until your mind is filled with the knowledge of him. Allow the scriptures to guide your prayers and stand firm until the promised help comes. I don't know about y'all, man, but kind of need to hear that for the day. Kind of need to hear that. We're going to take a quick station break. When we come back, we're going to jump straight into it. Y'all stay tuned.
What if I never ever make a meal? Would I give a hundred steel? What if I never have a hit song? What if I gave my all and found out that I was doing it all wrong? What if I never got any shine? What if people were touched by my music and never knew that it was mine? What if I never travel around the globe? What if I never work with major producers and major studios? What if I'm never in a magazine or riding a tour bus or in the back of a limousine? What if my name's never put in light? Am I doing it for fortune and fame or Jesus Christ? What if I'm never even nominated? What if I'm not even good, I'm just really overrated? What if my music never even gets airtime? What if I put my pen and pad down, man, and never write another line? Lovely selection. It's called What If, man. You'll check him out on his social media platforms. 
uh, Taurus Rudd. Also, man, go check out the Live by Terrence Network webpage also as well, LiveByTerrence.com. Go have some new and exciting things going on in the next couple of weeks on there and in the next couple of days. So y'all will stay tuned on that. But <laughs> the main event is in the building. Welcome back into the press box. The tailgate crew is on right now, and let's talk some Big Ten football. Let, let's just jump right into it, man. And you know, I was I was so excited to, about the Big Ten and and what and what it encompasses this year. I mean, this this could potentially be a make or break year for the ACC, but this also can potentially be the breakout year for the Big Ten. I mean, they could win the second national championship in three years. Can Ohio State win the national championship? Can Can Penn State get over that hump? You know, win eleven games again. You know, I, there's a lot of questions that are, that are involved in this, and and I'm just, we're just going to get started. Let's just get started right there in the, in the Big Ten East, and the Cleveland the Cleveland the Cleveland News uh, actually does a yearly poll since the AP doesn't do it in that area anymore. Um, asking reporters who they think will win the Big Ten. The outright winner was Ohio State in a lot of circles. You know, number two was Penn State. Number three was Michigan, like like normal. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that a lot of people don't do. They don't give Penn State the respect that they do that they earn because Penn State actually. We actually had Ohio State at home and beat them at home. They also beat Michigan. I mean, you know, Michigan beat them. So, you know, you look at you look at what happened last season, and you just it's just so. Uh, how can I put it? It was a crazy year. I mean, it was a crazy year, and one of those one of those things that a lot of people were talking about. Is the fact that can Penn State win it two years in a row? I'm going to give you my reasons why they can win it two years in a row, and I'm going to give you my reasons why I don't think they'll win it. Why I think a surprise from the West could potentially win it, or it could be the status quo: Michigan, Penn State, and Michigan State coming in and and sneaking up on everybody. But I will say this: Looking at the top, looking at the top five in the Big Ten, for me in the Big Ten East, for me, you know, let's just start with number five. I mean, Indiana Rutgers—they are what they are. I think Indiana could win six games this year. They could make it to a bowl game, but it's going to be very hard for them to make it to the bowl game with their schedule. So, with that being said, I love the hires in both. I love the hires in the Big Ten. With PJ Fleck, with um, with PJ Fleck and also Brian Brom, which which are in the in the, in the Big Ten West, and we'll talk about the Big Ten West in a, in a few moments. But let's just start with number. Let's start with who I think will be fifth in in the Big Ten East, and who I think will be fifth in the Big Ten East is is excuse me is Maryland and. The reason why I picked Maryland to be fifth in the, in, in the Big Ten East is because 
they don't lose much on that team, on that team they had last year. They really don't. And it's it's going to be very difficult for a lot of people to really get a grasp of what of what um, what Maryland is this year because Maryland's going to be a little bit Maryland's going to be different. You know they're gonna they're gonna be a little bit more run heavy. They're gonna be, um, you know, with the with the youth that they have at, at, at receiver. You know, one receiver coming back in DJ Moore, another receiver coming back in in Tavion Jackson, who you know who didn't play much because of injury last year. But I'm looking at the Maryland schedule and I'm like, I, I look at the Maryland schedule and. I see them playing Texas first game of the season on, on September second. This is the ultimate test for them. This is actually I mean, they're they're going right into a litmus test right off the bat. I mean, they have twelve starters back plus both of their plus both of their specialists. This is a team under DJ Durkin who actually did pretty well defensively. They did pretty well. They did okay defensively. Wasn't where he wanted them to be, but you can tell that they were trending in the right in the right direction. You know, they made it to they made it to a ball game last year. They lost their ball game last year. But here's the thing about about Maryland that a lot of people don't understand, that a lot of people will understand, is that this is a Maryland team that's not your mom's Maryland team. This is a team that that could easily win. Seven, eight games. If they have the ball rolling, rolling in their favor, they've got they've got a quarterback coming back. And you know they lose Perry Hills, they lost Caleb Bro, you know, but they have two quarterbacks that played last year. In <clears throat> excuse me, they have a couple quarterbacks who who, who, had, who did play last year in uh, Max Borden Schlager. I've had to I've had to practice that name, um, and also Tyrell Pilgrim, and then they've also got a junior college transfer coming in by the name of Caleb Henderson, who can also play as well. This is this is a good 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 team to have because I think when you have something like Caleb Henderson, who was that. Who was at North Carolina, played for Larry Fedora, coming in, playing in a deep in an offense that is similar to what he ran at North Carolina. This could be telemate for him. He's a, he's a bit of a dual threat, but he he is a more of a pocket passer than he is a dual threat. I think they'll rely more on the running game with Ty Johnson and Lorenzo and Lorenzo Harrison more so than than uh, than anybody else. I think you look at. You look at what you have with Ty, with Ty Johnson. You know, thousand yards last year. Lorenzo Harrison, almost six hundred fifty yards last year. They give you that balance that you need offensively. Do they need to? They need to amp up the the, the passing game, of course. I mean, when you had so many injuries in the last two years from Maryland at the quarterback position, especially with the likes of Caleb Rowe. Who was a three thousand yard passer? Pay Hills, who was a two thousand yard passer, um, a couple of years ago. You know, um, Taylor Rowe was a three thousand yard passer last year. You have 
you had no no type of balance. Now those two were gone, and you've got you got three guys who could possibly play quarterback for you. I think will play quarterback for you. You know that we'll see game time. I, I would believe. Um, and then they also have another quarterback who's a four-star quarterback in Jason Hill, um, who they are hoping to redshirt. And I hope they get the redshirt too, because this is a guy who is who is about a year away from being from being the starter. So look at Maryland. Look at their schedule. They've got a lot of they got a lot of games at home. They they got a lot of big games at home. The real test that they have the crossover games this year. The crossover games are um, Wisconsin and Northwestern. So we look at that schedule, you know, and then they have to go on, you know, Minnesota, Minnesota Northwestern and and Wisconsin are are their three crossover games this year. They've got to go to Minnesota. They have to go to Ohio State, and they do those in back to back weeks. Really good teams here. Then they're at home to Northwestern. So the month of October is going to be the make-or-break time for DJ Durkin's team. Can their defense hold up? Can their offense find a quarterback who can complement the running game? That Those are going to be the big questions for Maryland. Do I think they win six, seven games? I think they win six games. I think I think the over-under for them is seven. I think if, if they can get seven, they can get seven wins, they'll make it to a bowl game. They'll get those extra practices that they need, those 15 extra practices that they need, and you'll see them improve for next year. But I think if Maryland keeps the team that they have together this year, you know, with a lot of youth mixed in with a lot of a lot of veterans, this could be a team on the rise for next year. And DJ Durkin is recruiting. He's recruiting very well. His 2018 class is, is possibly going to be one, among one of the Big Ten's best. So, with that being said, I think Maryland's going to be number five in the West. You know, number four for me. Now, I was I was going back and forth on this, and and between Maryland and Michigan State, on who I who I would think would be four, in who I thought would be four and five. The one, the the, the two schools I thought were were exactly who I who I, who I thought they were. Michigan State, Maryland. Maryland's trending upward a little bit. Michigan State trending down. A lot of disciplinary problems, a lot of a lot of trouble, you know, in, in terms of the depth and everything at at Michigan State. You know, they only have I mean, they have about seven or eight guys on the offensive side that had played a lot last year. You know, you got seven or eight guys that played a little bit on last year's team. Again, Michigan State. Do I think that they'll they'll be back to be in the Michigan State of old? They're about a year away from being that team again. Excuse me. Mike D'Antonio has put together some. He's put together a pretty good recruiting class in the, in the last few years, including guys like. Including guys like Messiah DeWeaver, who who we didn't see in the spring because of injury. Um, guys like Connor Hayward, who who I've seen play uh, from uh, from 
excuse me, from Gwinnett County, Georgia, who I've seen play. Um, and he's also got some big-time big time, um, recruits as well, um, offensive line recruits from the Midwest. Kevin Jarvis for one, Park Ridge High School. Kid is a beast. He's a, he's a huge guy. Um, so, you know, we might see the likes of Messiah DeWeaver come in and play quarterback. We might see a Damian Terry or a, or a Brian Lewerke. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of ifs in the in the system. He's got to find a quarterback to replace Tyler O'Connor to replace O'Connor, and I don't think that he has the type of type of personnel that he wants to be a part of that. And I think that's that's probably that's probably the the, the bad thing about this. But he does have a running back that he can that he can that he can lean on, and that's L.J. Scott. O.J. Scott has had close to nine, close to a thousand yard season. Um, Gerald Holmes came on a little bit uh, last year. Madre London came on a little bit last year. I mean, so you've got a running back by committee if you want a running back by committee. And you also got some some receivers, young receivers, led by Andre Rising's son Hunter, who was going to come in and play as a play as a true. Uh, he was in for the spring, so I think you know you got got some guys that you can work with. Can they win? Can they win seven games? I think they'll win seven games. I don't think I don't think they'll win less than seven games. Six and six could be could be where they where they end up, but I can see a seven and five. Um, but they've also got a tough tough uh, you know out of conference schedule. You know, you start off with a good Bowling Green team who went bowling last year. You start off in the second game. You got Western Michigan, who did not lose much. PJ Fleck did not leave the cupboard unbared at Western Michigan, like a lot of people said he did. I mean, they're replacing. They're going to be replacing their starting quarterback and also a running back and also a guy, a, a receiver in Davis. You know, that just pretty much just lit up the world last year. So, you look at it from that standpoint, Michigan State ha- does have a difficult schedule, and they do have – but the shining – the the saving grace on this is their first four games are at home. And they welcome, they welcome Notre Dame in, and then they jump right into the conference schedule with Iowa. And that's nine weeks of that's nine weeks straight weeks of <clears throat> you know, you saw that ten straight week stretch where you play a Notre Dame team which is a big ten like school and then you add in the likes of then you add in your conference schedule with Iowa. You know, Iowa on September thirtieth and then you know, that month of November that month of October is pretty much Crap shoots all the way all the way across the board. I mean, you've got you've got the Paul Bunyan Trophy with Michigan. You've got you got a big game at Minnesota, and Minnesota. You know, we'll talk about Minnesota later on. But you've got big games with Minnesota. You got big game with Michigan. Your home to your homecoming game is Indiana, and this is not your this is not your mom's Indiana team, even though they they've changed coaches. This is going to be a good Indiana. This is going to be a better Indiana team than people think. We'll talk about Indiana a little later on. You know, even though I think that they'll finish at the bottom of the East, this is a better Indiana team than people think. 
So, that being said, also look at their crossovers. Look at their crossover. You know, Iowa's one, Minnesota's another, Northwestern's the other. So, their three crossover games are just as difficult as their divisional games. So, but they do avoid the likes of Wisconsin. They do avoid Wisconsin, and they do avoid they they do avoid Wisconsin, which is a good thing, and they do avoid Nebraska, which is another good thing because I think we'll get, like I said we'll get into the West in just a few moments. This is Michigan State team. Mark Antonio is on the hot seat. We know he's on the hot seat. Does he deserve to be on the hot seat? No. Definitely not. Now, in 11 seasons here, he's brought three three conference championships there. He took you to some BCS Bowls and even made it to the college football playoff a couple years ago. So that tells you a lot about, you know, he actually made it to the the, – well, yeah, he did make it to, to the playoffs. 2015, he made it to the playoffs. You know, but he's been in that New Year's Six or a or a BCS Bowl, you know, three straight years before last year in that debacle last year. Uh, so, I mean, this is another team, again, could be very good. They're, the schedule suits them well, but – you know, you have to go to Ohio State, you have to go to Michigan, you have to go to Minnesota, and you have to go to Northwestern, and those are not easy places to, to win. So, <coughs> excuse me. So you have to pick. You have to you have to pull a win out of the, out of those hats. There. Do I think they beat Penn State? Do I think they beat Ohio State? Do I think they beat Michigan? I don't. I think they could upset Michigan. I think they could beat Minnesota if the ball rolls their way. Indiana could be could be a difficult test. Northwestern is always a difficult test. No matter where you play them at or how you play them, there's going to be a difficult test. Penn State, Michigan, Minnesota, those are your those are your key games. Ohio State, I don't think they'll even get past Ohio State. I don't. But stranger things has happened have happened. And when we did pick them a couple of years ago, saw it happen at at Ohio State. So that that tells you a lot about this team. So they, I mean, like I said, they're trending downward, but at the same time, you still got you still got a coach like Antonio. You still got the stout defense and everything. So it is it's it's going to be a crapshoot. It's going to be a real crapshoot. For, for Michigan State. Three, of course, three. You know, I mean, I went with Michigan with, uh, at three because Michigan couldn't beat Penn State or Ohio State last year. And you look at what they've got coming back. You know, got seven, got seven, eight guys that are coming back um, on that team. You've got three quarterbacks that could possibly play for you. And you also got – Got a great. You have a great, great, great recruiting class led by Dylan McCaffrey and and uh, Kurt Taylor, who um, Kurt Taylor from Grayson High School, Loganville, Georgia. 
know, you look at those guys and look at what else they got in in their recruiting. Um, Aubrey Solomon, who played at Lee County High School, um, who again another another uh, Georgia kid, Chuck Falaga, who played at Alito, you know, state semifinalist last year. You know, he was in for I think he was in for spring, if I'm not mistaken. So. You have a lot of players that they had in for spring this year that could play early at Michigan. Michigan, I think Michigan, they're over under for Michigan for me. I think for for a guy like Jim Harbaugh, this is his third year. This is his third year. He's 20 and 6. He's led you to 10 win seasons. You know, in both years that he's been there so far. Here's the thing that pretty much gets everybody riled up. He hasn't beat Ohio State. He hasn't beat Ohio State. He's one and one against Penn State. You know, he. He squeaked by Wisconsin in the last couple of years. You squeaked by Indiana two years in a row. You know, Penn State, you've dominated both years. But you can't get over that hump in terms of Ohio State. And that's your big litmus test this year. Those are three big tests. And you know, with Wisconsin on that, I mean, Michigan probably has the toughest schedule of any of any of these of any of the of the the top five Big Ten East schools to me. If you look at their schedule, they start off at Florida. They start off in in Dallas at at, at, at Jerry's World with Florida. They come home to Cincinnati, which is not which is a Cincinnati team that. Wasn't as good as they could have been last year under Luke Fickle in his first year at Cincinnati. Then you have a service academy in Air Force. Purdue at home. You got you go to Purdue. And this is going to be a much improved Purdue team. Just just because of the Brown effect. And we'll talk, I'll talk about Purdue in just, in just a little bit as well. You look at I mean, Indiana, Penn State, Rutgers, Minnesota, Maryland, Wisconsin, and then the big one at Ohio State. So your month of November is a gauntlet. Your month of October is really difficult, with the exception of possibly a Rutgers. And you don't know what you're going to get out of Indiana. Again, that's why I did. That's why I, I I left those out of my top five because you don't know what you're going to get from Rutgers or Indiana. Rutgers is about two years away. Indiana, they're they're on the cusp of being something great if they can find they can get a little bit more. If they can get a little bit more of a higher recruiting base in the. What I mean by hire is they can get some bigger stars to come in and get some get some some more athletes to come in. 
that that's gonna be their their big mo, and that that that's gonna be their big litmus uh, for Indiana is to get to get better recruits. If they can win the in-state recruiting battle between Purdue and and Notre Dame, I mean, and they can do that. Indiana can do that, but. We'll talk about Indiana shortly. Well, I mean, we'll talk about I mean, we're, we're on Michigan right now. So I look at Michigan and I see I see ten wins out of Michigan. I mean, this is gonna be their big. T- the, like I said, the month of October and the month of November, especially the month of November, those are those big four games that they have the Minnesota, the Minnesotas, the Marylands, because. You know the Maryland's. You know Maryland's gonna come out and be that, be that, that team, that team. So, you know Maryland's gonna be improved from last year under DJ Durkin in the second year. You do know that Wisconsin has a much improved quarterback in Hornibrook, who I'll talk about, who I'll talk about shortly. But. You look at the quarterbacks um, around the Big Ten. You got the three best in the East: Wilton State, who I think could have, could improve a little bit more <clears throat> on his numbers. I think if he wasn't hurt, I think that he, I think that if he wasn't hurt, and you get more of a downfield downfield presence, I think he can. Possibly give you more, and with the emergence of a guy like a Tyrone Wheatley Jr., who's a tight end and not a running back, a guy like Chris Evans who can catch the ball out of the, out of the backfield, um, Tariq Black come in, you know he was in for spring, saw what he could do in the spring game. This is, this is a guy who can who can spread the field. Donovan Peoples Jones, another guy that was in for spring, could be. <coughs> <clears throat> to be another speed guy, you know, a possession type speed guy. Nico Collins is also in. Uh, is also was a redshirt last year, so we also know what Nico Collins can do. We know what we. we they've got you got a young got a young nucleus at receiver. Will that translate into something good? That's yet to be seen. That, I mean, we don't know yet because they haven't played anything competitive other than spring games. And we saw glimpses of what they can do in the spring game. So I'm not going to sit up here and I'm going to like say, hey, I think Michigan's receivers are going to be better than 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 most than most receivers in, in, in this year. I, I just I don't see that happening, but I do see them throwing the ball down the field a little bit more. I see Wilton State going over 3,000 yards again. I mean, well, Wilton State going over 3,000 yards. You know, he was close to three thousand dollars last year. So with that being said, Michigan difficult schedule. September, October, November. Again, this is a stacked schedule for Michigan. Probably the most difficult schedule of all the Big Ten schools. That's why I picked them at three. I think they'll. I mean, you look at uh, and again. You look at what they got in uh, in the springtime. I mean, they got a lot of kids in 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 the spring. You know. Donovan Peoples Jones, Tyreek Black, Ambry Thomas, who's a defensive back who could possibly come in and play early, Donovan Jeter, 
Corey Malone Hatcher, who I who I think could be could be a stand up outside linebacker in the three four, or it could be outside linebacker in the four three that Michigan's on the run. So you look at just look at I mean Michigan has has a cupboard that is so stacked with youth with both youth and veterans. If they can intertwine that in some way, it could be a special year. But do I think they beat Notre Dame? Do I do, do I think they beat Ohio State? Possibly not. Do I think they beat Wisconsin? Possibly not. Those are your two losses right there. And you could possibly even say Penn State. That could be three losses in, in conference. So you, I mean, even though they beat Penn State two years in a row. This is not the. This is a Penn State team that is that is better than people thought. They got better over last season. So, Michigan will be three. Michigan for me is number three in the East. Number two, I had a hard time. I had a hard time with this, and a lot of people probably think that that I'm crazy when I say this, but I look at I look at Ohio State. I look at Penn State, and I look at. I look at what the body of work is for both these teams. Okay. Yes, they did get off to a two and two start. Yes, they did squeak by Minnesota. Yes, they yes they bought the field goal and beat Ohio State. Yes, they beat. Purdue pretty bad. Yes, they beat Iowa. They beat. They went to Iowa. They had Iowa at home and beat Iowa down. Yes, they went to Indiana and gave up 31 points. They shut out Rutgers. They beat Michigan State. They beat Michigan State for the Land Grant Trophy. Yes, they beat Wisconsin by a touchdown in in the Big 12 in the Big 10 championship game. Yes, they gave up a 35 point, a 30 point, a 20. 20 something point lead against against USC in the Rose Bowl. Yes, they did lose that game. And and we all we often wonder why Penn State, why Ohio State is was picked over Penn State to win the Big 10 East and to win the Big 10 Championship. I just gave you shining examples why. You squeaked by Teams that you should beat because you are the better team. You start off two and two. You you lose to pit, you lose a pit, which is your which is you know a rivalry game in, in itself. You know you avenge your loss to Temple last year. You you know you play your two in state rivals and you lose to one. And beat the other, and then you go, you go into Michigan and you just get trounced. But then you wake up and you win ten, you win nine straight games. I mean, so, and it should have been ten, but you get you give yourself but you you dug yourself so big of a hole 
by letting a guy like Sam Donald run just just throw the ball all over you for over four hundred yards. So that's <coughs> that's part of that's part of the problem of why I could not pick Penn State over over Ohio State, even though Ohio State you know Penn State beat Ohio State last year. And they won the Big Twelve won the Big Ten Championship last year. I I, I couldn't I couldn't, in my right mind, pick Penn State over Ohio State. I just couldn't do it. I, I won't do it. I can't do it. But I will say this. Looking at looking at Penn State schedule and looking at Michigan schedule, these are two most difficult schedules. I've seen their out of conference matchups may not be as bad. Akron, Akron is going to be Akron. Pitt, it's a rivalry game, so you can't pick against Pitt. You can't say they'll beat Pitt. You know, Georgia State is a, you know, is a, a up and coming um, Sun Belt school. And then you just like again, again you you go to Iowa, you go to you go to Iowa. You have Indiana at home. You go to Northwestern. This schedule does not bode well for Penn State, but I think they have the personnel. I think they have the kind of players that can that can just pretty much mold themselves into being a contender. I mean, they have a lot of starters coming back, a lot of starters. I mean, you you pretty much got your entire starting lineup, your, your offensive starters coming back, Saquon, led by Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley, who I think, aside from JT Barrett, I mean, aside from from uh, from the guys like JT Barrett, Alex Honeybrook, and uh, – and Mitt Sorley, you know, you add Mitt Sorley into that mix. Those are the three best quarterbacks in the in the Big Ten. I'll be talking about a couple more quarterbacks that, that are pretty good from the West in just a few moments. But you think about what Trace Mitt Sorley done did last year. Almost thirty seven hundred yards passing, twenty nine touchdowns, eight interceptions. And he's throwing to all the same receivers that he had last year. I mean. Your top eight is back from last year. Your top eight receivers are back from last year. The only one that you lose is a guy like Chris Godwin, who who was drafted, who was it was who was a free agent signing. So, I mean, so we look at that, and we look at and what else you got coming back. You know, rushing wise, you know, Saquon Barkley, you know, fifteen hundred yards. Chester Sola gave you almost four hundred yards on the ground. Thomas Stevens is back. Mike Sanders, Andre Robinson, Mark Allen. All these guys gave you something. And those guys are actually receivers. They gave you something in the speed game. So Penn State has a speed advantage over a lot of people. Yes, they do have a lot of people coming back. But is their depth as good as the depth of an Ohio State where there's a lot of depth? 
at Ohio State. There's a lot of there's a lot of good things happening at Ohio State. I mean, let's just face it. We we're looking at two teams that's going to play each other on October 28th, and that's going to set the tone for the rest of the season for the month of November for both Penn State and Ohio State. You know, both have to play Michigan. You know, of course, Ohio State plays Michigan at the end of the year. But, you know, Penn State plays Michigan one week before they play Ohio State. This is, like I said, this is a, this is, Michigan and Ohio State is one of those things for Penn State. They've got to pick their poison. They've got to play lights out in both games. But you've got to figure out how you're going to attack teams. If you stay balanced, you, you, you've got to be in the balanced team that you were before. This could be a really good, really, really good Penn State team. Over under for Penn State, 11 wins. I mean, again, 11 wins are bust for Penn State. But I do think that they're you know ten ten and two is probably going to be where they where they end up nine and three. You know, I think that I think you know there could be a couple upsets in there. I was I was not as a comeback team. You know, they're better than people think. I mean, out of the West, like I said, we'll talk about the West in a few moments. My sleeper team is out of the West. And I, like I said, I mean, Penn State, if you had 10-2, and 9-3, could be, could be where, they, where they end up at. But the two big litmus tests for them is Penn State, is, is the games at Penn State and uh, the games at the game at home to Michigan and on the road at, at Columbus. And then you have November 4th, Again, you have to play. You play Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State in back-to-back weeks, and then you're on the road to Nebraska. Then you have Nebraska at home as well in, in the crossover game. So there's five to six games where you could be scratching your head, saying, "Wow, you know, you you can be." <coughs> Penn State can be looking at anywhere between eight to ten wins. They've got to protect the ball. They've got to do the things that they know to do. That's that's the main that that's that's the main goal for Penn State. And I think James Franklin has them on the right track. Ten wins, yes. Nebraska, I mean. Oh, we'll talk about Nebraska in, in, in a little bit, and, and and I got a lot of things to say about Nebraska as well. So, but Ohio State, I mean Ohio State by default uh, will win the East because I think they've got players that are going to come in and they're going to play early. You know, I think you might see a Tate Martell play early. I think you may see a J.K. Dobbins come in and play a little bit. You know, to give to give you something behind Mike Weber. I mean, so 
there's a lot of things that are going on. And then you look at you look at the 2018 class with the likes of Emory Jones and, and those players coming in. Ohio State, again, like Penn State, like Michigan State, like Michigan, the cover's not unbearable. And we're going to be looking at a lot of things with Ohio State. We're going to be looking at a lot of things with 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 Michigan and Penn State. I mean, and also Michigan State. I mean, we look at, like I said, like I said Penn State's got 10 starters coming back on the offensive side of the ball. Ohio State has eight. But you've got like 12, 12 to 13 players to play last year. And you have other guys, young kids, that are going to end up playing early. Isaiah Pryor from um, Isaiah Pryor, who I, I want to say he went to um, I want to say he went to Central Gwinnett. He may have went to um, Isaiah Pryor. I, I, he, he's another Gwinnett kind of kid. I want to say he went to he went to Central Gwinnett or North Gwinnett. One of the two. One of the two Gwinnett, the directional Gwinnett schools, but. He may have also went to PC Ridge. I, I I can't remember right off. This is a guy who can come in and play early. Josh Myers may come in and play early. We know J.K. Dobbins is in, was in for the spring. Trayvon Grounds is in for the spring. Saw them at the spring game. Tate Martell was in for the spring. We saw how good he was in the spring game. This Mike Ciano, this Mike Ciano defense will be better than people than people will ever imagine them to be. Defense will carry the day for for Ohio State in that sense, but the offense is not far. The offense is never far behind. I think Ohio State again. They've got they've got tests early. You know, they they jump they jump right into conference play right off the bat at Indiana, and this is a good Indiana team again. But do I think Indiana is that is is there? Right now, they're not at the top five level. I mean, they're right there at the cusp, but they're not there just yet. Then they have Oklahoma at home. They have Army at home. Again, the service academy at home. I mean, this is an Army team that, that is that good, that could be really good. Rutgers, we don't know what you're going to get out of Rutgers because Rutgers is about two years away. At Maryland, you know, you know home, home to Maryland. You know what you're going to get out of Maryland as a DJ Durkin coach team. You saw it last year. Again, I mean, like I said, we look at we look at Maryland again. You know, I had Maryland pick that pick that five. I just I, I think the DJ Durkin coach team can make some headways. Do I think they beat Ohio State? No, but there you have it. At Nebraska, off week, Penn State, big game. November 4th at Iowa, another big game. Michigan State, another big game. Illinois, we'll talk about Illinois in, in a few minutes, in a few moments. Do I think Illinois has a chance to, to be that be that team? Yes, I do. Can be a sleeper? Yeah, not quite yet. And then you, then you have the, game, the big game at Michigan, which is not going to be on the NBC, ABC this year. It'll be on Fox. So, 12 noon on Fox, Ohio State, Michigan, as part of that that uh, Fox Big Ten deal. 
And, um, you know, it's going to be sad not to see Ohio State Michigan on Fox. There was also a rumor that that game was possibly going to be played at night as well with the move to Fox. So um, that that's yet to be seen just yet. But, you know, then again, who knows? So there you have it. I think Ohio State wins the East. Penn State's two. Michigan's three. Michigan State's four. And Maryland's five. Six and seven in Indiana and Rutgers. Indiana, I think, can win six games. Rutgers, we're better luck next year. With that being said, we're going to take a quick session break. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about the Big Ten West, and now I'll also give you my thoughts on Coach of the Year and also Player of the Year. So you guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. DesertStormRadio.com, your global DJ network, brought to you by the world famous DJ Clue. Clue. Searching for this truth here. Hey, what you doing, man? Uh. Hey, your world just living in it. Maybe y'all can get away. Yeah. Uh. Boston, Massachusetts. Home with the pride of music. Through the muzzles, man, I can get away. Through the diamond, man, I can get away. Hey, baby, I can get away. I can get away. Yeah. I'm so dumb, I'm so dumb. Still pushing more driving in new bands. Still got a tight aim for the loose ends. Betting fools, I can pay dues with my two cents. I'm hippie paint to your gray world. Black and white through the crowd like they were. They showing true color when you take away the pigment. When you take away the difference in it. Blasting it all, vivid and flying with no engine. They run it with all gimmick. Right about the blue like a scout fell. Stand back, sit calm like a sign fell. Faded in the mind. A 9-5 product at a time. Soon navigation, new direction for the blind. 24 dash 7 battle against time. With a 617 on the side. Let it ride. I hear Cali for the in and out. Got the normal scene on a different route. So they wonder what the kid about. Meet it from the views, never know until you live it out. 90 minute winning from records that I was chicken on. Living by the minute, don't gotta capture the image. Ain't it dag? How me and music could get along. New control, mood switching with a different song. Since gon' hit him like a chill pill prop. Rhyme game pacing at the L kids jock. I love it for what it is. I hate it for what it's not. I'm no ass. 
Welcome back to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. The main event is in the building. So excited to talk talk football. So excited to be back on. So just, just exciting, exciting, exciting times. We're talking about the Big Ten this week. Next week we'll be talking about the ACC. And just, oh, my goodness, just so excited. But we're going to jump right into the SEC, I'm sorry, into the Big Ten West. And the Big Ten West has traditionally been the most wide open of all the school, of all of the, the two divisions in in the Big Ten since they've gone to the East-West configuration a couple of years ago. This is the this is a difficult time, but I'm telling you, there's dark horses all over the West. And, you know, we talk about, we talk about the, the two new head coaches. We talk about Brian Brom and what he, what he did at, what he did at Louisville as, as a, as an offensive coordinator. Uh, and coach his little brother, uh, Brian, who was also on his staff as a, as an advisor. Um, and we also look at what he did for for Bobby Pacino, you know, his time at at you know his time as quarterback at, at Louisville, and then you know moving into the coaching aspect of the game and being a coordinator at at, at Louisville, you know, some of the players they had at Louisville there with the Michael Bush and Michael Bush and and, and like I said, brother Brian, and then also him moving on to to Western Kentucky and having a great quarterback, the, the great quarterback that they had at at, um, at Western Kentucky, and, and his name um, pretty much just leaves my head right now. But um, you know, he had over he had over over ten, I think like fifteen thousand passing yards. So, I mean, we we're looking at a guy who. It was probably as good, if not, you know, a quarterback, a quarterback guru, if I could say so. Um, he's probably as good an offensive coach as you're going to get in this country. And, and um, you know, like I said, he, he's had a, a number of guys who have been really, really good. And um, just really, like I said, I'm really excited to see Brian Baum um, in the Big Ten. I'm, I'm excited to see PJ Fleck in the Big Ten at, at Minnesota. They're both trying to change the culture uh, at Purdue, uh, or they're both trying to change the culture at their respective schools, especially, um, especially the job that Brian Brom has to do. Do I think Brian Brom has the? Do I think? Do I think that? Purdue has a, has a wherewithal to be to be back among the Big Ten elite. If you leave Brian Brown alone and you give him you give him give him four years, that's the problem. You didn't give Daryl Hazel any time. Danny Hope was he was he was a lost cause. I mean, he lost from the time he was named Joe Tiller's successor to. When he took over the program out of Eastern Kentucky, and you know, even looks lost now as a as a coordinator. 
Um, I'm sorry, he even looked lost as a head coach. And then you bring in you bring in Daryl Hazel, who I thought could have been a really good coach, um, but he didn't he didn't he didn't get his type of guys in there, and he tried to change the culture, and he got a lot of got a lot of backlash off of it. So Purdue, for me, three four years, I think I think you give them this year. Next year, and possibly the, the year after that, I think this is a this, this is a Purdue team that could possibly pull off some upsets. I think they can pull off some upsets this year as well. Um, I, I really think they can pull off some upsets this year. Um, they'll be in a new offense. Um, got a guy like David Blau, and David Blau for me. I mean, let let's just be honest. David Blau, for me, is probably the best quarterback, not named J.T. Barrett, not named Trace McSorley, not named Alex Hornibrook in in the Big Ten. <clears throat> One thing that I will say about about David Blau is this. He's an elite level quarterback who has heart, has real heart. He got beat up a lot in his time. At Purdue, could have could have easily left, uh, as he will be a December graduate. So he could have easily he could easily leave after this year to go to another school and still have two years of eligibility left. Well, have one year of eligibility left. This is a guy. If he cleans up anything that he clean that he that he could clean up in terms of his interceptions, he had twenty five interceptions last year to twenty one in twenty five. Touchdowns and 21 interceptions. If he changed at least seven of those interceptions into touchdowns, we're looking at we're looking at Daryl Hazel there for a fifth year. Well, yeah, for you know he would have finished the season. He probably would have been six and six. He probably would have made it to a bowl game under Brom's leadership. I think you're going to see a different David Blau this year. I think you, I really think you're going to see. He doesn't have the receivers that he has normally had. I mean, you still got, you still got Landers, you still got Phillips, Corey Holmes. You know, played Notre Dame was a his graduate transfer. But other than Landers and and Phillips, you really don't have much to throw to. We didn't have we don't have much to throw to. So we're looking at him and we're looking at David Blau throw to these guys. If he can get a balance with Markel Jones, if they can get Markel Jones over a thousand yards and find some players find some guys that will that will help him in the passing game, in the running game. This is one thing that they didn't have. They didn't have a running game. So Purdue, yes, can they win six games this year? It's going to be a stretch. Four or five wins will probably get them there. Five and seven is probably going to be the best they'll do. I think four and eight is probably going to be more realistic. I think they'll go up. I think they'll go four and eight. I think they'll go three and nine, four and eight this year. I think next year you'll see them win five, six games. 
seven games at the most. I think the next year, you know, if you leave Brian Brown alone, let him bring in his guys, let him get his guys in, let him put his system in. I think this is a Purdue team that's on the rise, actually. I think they're really on the rise. They really are. Do I think that they'll be in that top five? No. And but will they will they turn some heads this year? With the amount of points and the amount of uh, amount of yards they get on the ground, uh, uh, through the air, I think they will. And I, I, you'll see, you'll see them make that make that stride. But like I said, David Blau, yeah, sure. Lovey Smith in Illinois again. Illinois, you know, you lose your quarterback in West Westland, who was like paper, you know, in a in a sense. Really good quarterback, really strong arm, but couldn't stay out of the out of the training tape, off the training table. Couldn't stay uh injury free over a season. You know, you you lost you lost your top receiver two years in a row to knee injuries before the season. Might do that. He might do that. You know, had a breakout year his freshman year, over a thousand yards, over a thousand yards a season. You didn't see him last year because of the injury. Hopefully, he stays healthy this year and you start seeing what he can do. I mean, this is a guy who can who can be a big time asset to you. Uh, with the guy with the with the quarterbacks that they have there. You know, the Chase Crouches and the Jeff George Jr. And also the quarterback that they got in from Virginia Tech, Dwayne Lawson, um, who transferred in uh, last year. So, um, so you look at you look at Illinois and what they what they got coming back and they've got I mean, they're still a young team and they're they're a young team that could be that could be trending upward if you know, could be trending upward, but I don't think that I don't think that they're there yet. You know, you got I mean, like I said, you got like five or six players that have that have played a lot. Chase Crouch took over late in the season. Jeff George played early in the year as well, but you know, they both struggled. But Chase Crouch gave you a little something different. He gives you a little something different, and a lot of people think that. You know, Illinois is not going to be a, a good a good enough team to to win to win two three no, probably win two or three games this year. I I uh, I think I think Illinois wins three games this year. I think they win. I think they win three games this year. I think they win four games this year. Simply because, I mean, they have a they have a difficult schedule. I mean, let's just. Let's just face it. I mean, the Big Ten West is always difficult, but then you add in the teams they play in their crossovers. You add in the Indiana. You add in Ohio State. You add in Rutgers. They could possibly beat Rutgers. You know, you have a Friday night game against Nebraska. You have a Friday night game against USF. And this is a USF team under Charlie Strong that could be better than people think. So, Four, four, three, four wins. Four wins. Four wins is a stretch. Five wins is out of question, and not a chance for six. <laughs> so, 
So Illinois, again, they're about two years away. I think Lovey Smith is trending upward with the with the recruits they got. They they have recruited a good bit from the Chicago land area, which is fertile with talent. The St. Louis area, fertile with talent. The Southern Illinois area, fertile with talent. So if he, if Lovey can continue to recruit the state of Illinois, keep those kids in state and fight them off from the rights of Northwestern, which he which he possibly could do because of Northwestern and their and their stringent admission policies. Also in Northern Illinois, with as good Northern as Northern Illinois has been, this could be you know, this could be really difficult. But you got a guy Levy Smith who is very well loved in, across the state of Illinois who can who can make things happen. So let's let's just give Illinois like I said, I would say give Illinois at least two years. Not have a hairy trigger with with Lovey Smith because Lovey Smith is a great recruiter, as he has shown by getting some of the really good players to come, really good Chicago land players to come to, come to him, and even a Detroit area player who he flipped from Michigan State. So, and that tells you a lot about him as well. So, that being said, I, like I said. Four wins is not out of the realm of possibility. I think five is uh, I think five is not a chance to get five wins. But this is a team that's trending upwards, and with the talent that they have, yes, I, I think you know if they get good quarterback play, they can improve defensively. I mean, because they were really good against the pass, but they were awful against the run. And they gave up a lot of points. <clears throat> they gave up 32 points, but they were 17th in the nation in passing defense. But you couldn't stop the run. So that was part of the problem that they had there. I mean, but three and nine years, I mean, it's going to be very difficult for them to win four games this year. It's going to be really difficult for them to win four, win, to win four games. So, Let's just jump right into right into who I think will be who will be my sleeper and number five in the West. I, you know, I you definitely have to go. I mean, I, I debated on whether to put Northwestern or Minnesota in in this in this in those positions, and The reason why I debated so much on that is because you look at what Minnesota has and you look at what Northwestern has. These are two teams that are evenly matched across the board. I think a lot of people have Northwestern as high as two, you know, being being second in the West. Um, a lot of people have them sleeping and winning the West. A lot of people have them have, you know, a lot of people have Northwestern as high as second in the West. Do I think that that's a stretch? No, it's not a stretch. Do I think that they that, that they have the depth and everything to, to be to be that, that team? 
in the in the in the West? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I I I've I've grown so much, and I, I've I've tried to put things together in the West, and you know, one of the one of the things I, I, I thought about in the West, you know, when looking at when looking at it and looking at the Cleveland Times, the Cleveland Daily News. Uh, poll and what they said, what what they thought. A lot of teams had Northwestern either winning, either winning the West or settling the West. I I see them. And don't, and when I say this, don't 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 misconstrue what I'm saying. I love Clayton Thorson as a quarterback. I love Justin Jackson. I love that. I love their offense. I love the way that they're so they're so multiple in so many ways. And and what they've got coming in, and what they've got coming in, and what and what you know what they're going to put on the on the field this year. This is a, this is a team that I of course. Of course, I can see them winning eight, nine, ten ball games. Of course, I can see that. I, I I can see it. Do I think that they're second? Do I think that they're worth being second in the Big Ten West? They are worthy of it because they do have a lot of people coming back. They do have a good quarterback in Clayton Thorson. Again, you look at. The quarterback play in the West, as you do in the East, where you have three established quarterbacks that are really good, and you have four, maybe five in the in the in the West. The better quarterback plays in the West, but the better schools are in the East. If that makes me, it doesn't make sense listening to me say it, but. On paper, it makes perfect sense. Clayton Thorson had over over three thousand yards passing last year, twenty two touchdowns, nine interceptions. They had no big plays going down the field. They've had, I think, eighty in the last few in the last few years, eighty five completions of twenty four of twenty or more yards down the field since twenty fourteen. This is not good. That's not good. For a team that likes to throw the ball, they've only got 85 plays of 20 or more yards. Of course, they are they are run heavy out of a spread, which is what you want to be because you want to use the play action out of the spread. But they don't do the passing like everybody else does. So Northwestern, I I know I'm probably going to kick myself in the face later on when they prove me wrong, but I, I like Northwestern here at five. Pat Fitzgerald has done something that no one else probably could not have done. Step in and win at Northwestern. Randy Walker done it. Gary Barnett done it. Has done it, but not in the way that, that Pat Fitzgerald has done it. 
new facilities are going up in Northwestern. A new new indoor facility is about to go uh, is is getting finished up. New ac- new academic facility is about to go up. New weight room is going up. All that's on the lakefront. So you look and see what Northwestern has and what they've done at that school. Even with the enrollment that they have, even with the enrollment. Even with the, the the way that they have to do the the way they do the enrollment, because I mean they are I mean it's a public school, but it's the public school that's almost like a like an Ivy League school. It's it's the Harvard of the Midwest. It's the Stanford of the Midwest. I mean, if you look at it from that standpoint, it's a private school with very very stringent. Academic, they they put a they put a big emphasis on academics, but at the same time, they are very competitive in every sport that they play in. Patrick Zero, this is a team that I think can win ten games, and they have a very favorable schedule to win ten games. So you're looking at, I mean, who will win the West? I mean, I, I, I'm looking at I'm looking at this, and I'm like, I'm like, wow, I I, I don't know, it's a crapshoot. To be honest with you, it's a crapshoot. But I'm gonna go with I, I'm gonna go with Northwestern at five. I mean, I think any of these top five has the potential to be eight, nine, ten win schools. Even replacing quarterbacks, and and I'll, I'll I'll give you I'll give you a reason why. Who I think will win the West? I mean, I'm just gonna start at the top. Wisconsin will win the West. I like Wisconsin. I love I love Chase Hornibrook. I love his arm. I think he's got a good arm. He's a lefty. Alex Hornibrook. I'm sorry. I don't know why I said Chase. Alex Hornibrook. Uh, got to clean up some things, but at the same time, he's got to clean up some things. Um, in terms of in terms of where he is throwing the ball, I mean, nine touchdowns, seven interceptions. He only threw for thirteen hundred yards, but at the same time, he was splitting time with Bart Houston, and also yeah, he spent time with Bart Houston. So, and Bart Houston didn't play bad at all as well. It's just Alex Hornibrook had the control of the offense. He had he had the better had the better aspect of the offense than. Than Bart Houston did. Bart Houston has moved on, um, as well. So, Wisconsin, I think, will win the West. I think Wisconsin can win ten games. I think they can. I think they can win ten games. You know, they've gone ten and three, eleven and three, eleven. They've gone nine and four, ten, eleven and three, ten and three, and eleven and three in the last four years under both Gary Anderson and Paul Chris. This is a good. This is a good Wisconsin team and. They recruit in-state very well. They keep a lot of in-state guys in-state. In they also keep a lot of guys. They also recruit nationwide and in the Midwest very well. They recruit Chicagoland very, very well. So when you look at Wisconsin, a lot of their players come from Wisconsin. A lot of their players are from are Wisconsin-born, but they also have a lot of players that, that are from the Chicagoland area and from you know, uh, 
that Northern Illinois corridor, the I ninety four corridor. So look at we look at that look at at Wisconsin. Paul Chris has done a great job at Wisconsin. That fan base at Wisconsin is, is, is unlike any other. The facilities are getting better. They're 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 also getting a new indoor facility. Um well they're upgrading their indoor facility and also um possibly going to be adding some more seats to Cam Randall. Um, so there, there's a lot of there's a lot of things to, to that. I love, I absolutely love, love, love Wisconsin in this. Now, like I said, two through five, I think Minnesota is, I think Minnesota is, is that, is that, they're a sleeper team. They were nine and four last year. But you're replacing a guy like Mitch Leidner, who was a great, a great quarterback for you. You're you're going to change your offense just a tad bit. PJ Fleck is bringing that rotor boat mentality to to the school to this school, and I just I, I I like what Minnesota's done. He says he wants to change the culture, and it's not. It's not so much as him changing the culture from a winning culture to from a culture of just getting there, getting just to a bowl game. He wants to make it into a culture to where they're winning division championships. They're going to they're going to the Rose Bowl. They're going to to um, to the Bowl of Six games. You know. The New Year's Six games. That's what they're looking at. That's what they're wanting to be. That's what PJ Fleck is is wanting. Do I think PJ Fleck? Do I think PJ Fleck is ready for the big time? I think he's ready for the challenge. But do I think he's ready for this challenge? I think that he is. Tracy Clay didn't leave that. That he didn't leave that cabinet unbare. Again, I keep using the the term cabinet unbare. Because you look at look at some of these look at some of these schools and you look and see what they've got coming back. And you look at the schedules that some of these schools have. Minnesota has a favorable schedule to make themselves a viable contender in the West. This is why I say it's so difficult to pick the Big Ten West because not only is it wide open, but there's some sleepers. We've got some sleepers involved in this. I mean, we look at Minnesota's schedule. They're, they have Buffalo at home on the 31st. At Oregon State, Middle Tennessee comes in. They jump right in the conference play, and they're in conference play from September to November. One of their big tests is Maryland. If they can get past Maryland, this is a team that could possibly do some big things. I will I will say that they could possibly do some really big things. They get past Maryland. They can there this is easily a eight to nine million team. Easily. You're going to see a different type of offense from what you saw with Tracy Place. You're going to see more of a ball control offense. You're going to see P.J. Flett likes to, likes to 
have like to read the nation in, in in time of possession, and that's what he did at Western Michigan last year. They put up some big points at Western Michigan last year, and, and the reason why they put up big points is because they had a steady running game. They had a really good. You had a steady running game. You had a really good, good quarterback in Zach Terrell, which made your team that much better. Now, we, I, like I said, we look at I said you look at you look at the schools on this schedule. I mean, Northwestern. I mean. You have to go to Northwestern. You got to go to Michigan. You got to go to Iowa. I mean, difficult, yes, very difficult. But at the same time, you look at what Michigan, Michigan done last year, and like I said, with PJ Fleck at the helm and his running game, you know, you average forty-one points a game. You the average over over two hundred yards, over two hundred yards on the ground, almost two hundred thirty yards on the ground. You average over two hundred fifty yards through the air. I mean, you had a great offense. You had a great defense. I mean, this is a PJ Foot team that you had <laughs> last year at Western Michigan that played at Wisconsin. That played at Wisconsin in the Cotton Bowl. That difficult, that difficult, and almost won that game. So, just imagine what kind of personnel PJ Flex has this year. And like I said, they've got a lot of they've got they've got some players coming back on that team this year as well. And that's what makes this. That's what makes Minnesota that that they look dangerous. I mean, they look real dangerous. A lot of people, like I said, a lot of people have them fourth or fifth. You know, they could be they could be as high as two or three. They can they can win the West. You look at an Iowa. You know, new coordinator and and, and uh, Kurt Ferris's son. Kurt Ferris's son, and I mean Minnesota. Like going back to Minnesota real quick. Minnesota can win eight, nine games this year. I think if PJ Fleck can get eight, get eight wins out of this, a lot of people are saying they can. They'll go six and six. I, I'm looking at another eight and four season. I mean, I, I see an eight and four season if the ball rolls right. I see an eight and four season because. PJ Flake loves to play ball control, so that that may, that in itself makes makes Minnesota, you know, that much better. Nebraska, let's just um, just go with Nebraska. Nebraska could be two, they could be three, they could be four, they could be five. Like I said, it was so difficult for me to put it together because Nebraska lose lost. A great quarterback in Nebraska lost a great quarterback in in Tommy Armstrong Jr. Bolsonaro still high school. 
Mike Riley has a you know he he doesn't didn't want to run a design run place as much. And he has an in he has an in the system, but he doesn't want to run them much. So you look at a Tulane transfer in Tanner Lee, who's got a live arm, live arm, very, very well put together kid. Who can who can ball out? Just so happens he it was he's in a difficult situation at, at Tulane. And we're going to see a lot of things from from Tanner Lee that we haven't seen yet. Patrick O'Brien is another kid that that can throw the ball a little bit. I mean, so you've got some you've got some really good players coming in. You do, you know, Keyshawn Johnson Jr. Uh, is on his way there, and then you know, Nebraska recruits so well. Nationwide, you know, they get they get the players in state. They keep them in state, but then they can recruit. They can recruit Southern California like nobody's business. They can recruit Texas like nobody's business. They they recruit the Midwest so well. It, it is absolutely amazing the way that they continue to be relevant in recruiting. And they are so close to being relevant in the Big Ten in the Big Ten since they moved over to the Big Ten. This is a good Nebraska team. They return a lot. They return a lot in terms of players who played a lot last year, but in terms of starting experience, they don't have many they don't have many players. But the two players that we need to really talk about is the Tanner Farmer at guard. And David Neville at tackle. Those are two guys who have close to thirty games of experience on the on, on the offensive line, and they can both play. They both play very very well. And the morning Pearson L, I think he's gonna. Ha- I think he has to have a breakout year. He's a senior. You know, he's been behind guys like you know last year. You know, you lose a guy. I mean, you lose guys last year. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I mean, you lose you lose two good receivers. You lose. I mean, you lose two receivers. I mean, you lose a lot of guys, but you also gain another uh, some wealth of some players with wealth of experience. Who hasn't who hasn't started? So, yes, Tanner Lee will probably be, you know, will probably be the guy at Nebraska. But don't don't get this mission true. This is a good Nebraska team. Bob Diaco's there as as defense coordinator. He's changing the culture from a three four from a four three to a three four. Which gives them the type of defense that could get them back to being the old black shirts. I I really believe that. So, and then then we talk about Iowa, you know. And lastly, we talk about Iowa. And Iowa, Brian Ferentz is going to be the new offensive coordinator for for Kirk Ferentz, who 
is entering his 19th year, and he is the longest tenured head coach in active head coach in in FBS. And a lot of people said they were much maligned last year because of what happened last year. You know, because of what happened last year in terms of of the games that they lost and, and who they lost to. I mean, there's no shame in losing to to a, uh, to a North Dakota State and FBS. There's no shame in that. I mean, because they, I mean, they've won ten straight games over <laughs> over F, over FBS opponents. I mean, that's the longest streak of any FCS school over an FBS school over FBS school. And they play everybody. I mean, they have a don't care attitude. They play everybody. Iowa again. Well, Greg Davis. If you remember Greg Davis, Greg Davis was just a great, great, great offensive coordinator. Um, was offensive coordinator at Texas when they won a national championship. Um, long time under Matt Brown. Um, possibly could have been a head coach if he wanted to. He retired last year from coaching. Um, after last year. Now, you have a guy like Brian Ferentz, uh who's coming in, and it's, it's very difficult for Brian Ferentz. And what, what's going to happen with Brian Ferentz is this. He's going to open up the playbook just a little bit more. You know, whereas where, with Greg Davis, it was, it was a balance of, of running pass, but didn't put enough points on the board. You weren't physical enough. So that's what made that's what made Iowa so one dimensional, you know, where they can run up where they just ran the ball a lot. Now you look at Iowa, you look at the quarterbacks that they have that they have. I mean, Nathan Stanley looked good in the in 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 the spring game. But Tyler Weakers looked better. And then you also have You know, then you also have have an, you know new new quarterback coach in Ken O'Keefe, and he he's got two guys that that could possibly play and play early and play and play and play well. It's just a matter of them grasping the offense, and Brian Ferentz will have them grasping the offense. So I mean, that's that's a, that's a given. So look at like I said, we look at. We're looking at, at an Iowa team that could possibly just be something special. Do I think that they'll be at the heights of where they where they where they were in in the past few years, where they almost made it to the national championship game, where they where they made it to the Rose Bowl game and and got destroyed by by Stanford, or last year they got destroyed by Florida and Outback Bowl. These are all things. These are all things that that. That was to be in question of our does Kurt Ferentz still have the pulse of the team? I think he does, but it's just a matter of the right personnel. You're young. You're you're getting younger this year. Do I think this is this is our year this year? Possibly not. I don't think so. With the schedule that they have, this could be a real good. This could be a real good. Good thing because 
you avoid Michigan, you avoid you avoid Michigan, and you avoid Michigan, you avoid Michigan this year. Yes, I mean this this is a, this is a real good time for Iowa. You know, you avoid Michigan, but you got Ohio State. You know, you avoid Michigan, but you have Michigan State. So it's almost like picking poison when you cross over games. But with Iowa, I think Iowa can. I think Iowa will win. I mean, all these schools they have the potential to win eight, eight, nine games. I mean, and that's what, this is what makes this, this what makes the Big Ten West so difficult to pick because all those, all these schools, all five of those schools, whether it's Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and you no, know, whether it's Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, or Nebraska, you know you have four schools right there. Alone, I mean, just those four schools alone. I mean, and you add in the likes of, then you add in, and then you add in the likes of, likes of Northwestern in that as well. Those are five schools that can win anywhere between eight and nine games. And it's so difficult to put them in order because they're that close in talent but so far away from Wisconsin, who I think is the runaway winner in in the West. (laughs) Excuse me. So with that being said, I like Ohio State. I like Wisconsin in the in the Big Ten championship game. I think I I think that Ohio State will beat Wisconsin thirty eight to twenty eight in the in the conference championship game. My player of the year and also my Heisman finalist from from the Big Ten, I think you have to look at a guy like J T Baird. One more year, one more year at Ohio State. He's just been a great. He's been a great football. He's been a great addition to college football. He's been a great addition to football as a whole. And I'm gonna miss talking about a guy like J T. Barrett because he's what's good about college football. He's what's good about football. Period. And here's a guy who has graduated. Um, and he he I I just think that he he's poised for a Heisman Trophy run if he can stay healthy. If he stays healthy, this is a guy who can who can win the Heisman. I, I definitely believe that. I think that I think that he's got he's got that kind of talent. I think he, I think another guy. Who has that kind of talent that could possibly make it into into the Heisman run is Saquon Barkley. If you can get him, if you can get him the touches that he needs, I think that he'll be great. My surprise, my surprise for newcomer of the year, I think the newcomer of the year is going to be Tanner Lee. I, I think Tanner Lee has that kind of the kind of arm discipline, the arm talent that's going to help Nebraska become a 
better Nebraska team. It's going to give Nebraska balance. If they can find a, if they can find the complimentary running game, and they can find a defense to go along, they 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 get the black shirt defense going. This is also a Nebraska team that could be that could be the best Nebraska team since the early nineties, since the early to mid nineties. I just I I really think that. Now, coach of the year, and this one was a difficult thing for me to to um. <laughs> to pick and and for me last year's coach of the year I thought was Tracy Clays. I thought the job that he did at the job he did at at Minnesota last year, nine and four with all the obstacles that they had going on with the with the allegations with Seth Green and a couple of those guys and him standing up for his team for for his guys. Um, do I think that it was right for him to get fired because of that? No, I don't think it was right. But Tracy Clay's for me last year was the coach of the year. Coach of the year this year. I mean, we have to think outside the box here. And you know, you could look at a guy like Paul Chris. You could look at a guy like James Franklin. You could look at a guy. You know, James Franklin was the coach of the year last year. Tracy Clay's, I, I thought, could have been coach of the year with the job he did last year. James Franklin, you know, you look at you look at a James Franklin, you look at look at Urban Meyer, um, you look at Jim Harbaugh. But my pick this year, I I really like Paul Chris as the coach of the year this year. I think he's going to have Wisconsin up and running real early. I also think that, you know, the dark horses are gonna come from are gonna come from the West. I think you look at the West and you look and see how wide open it is. Purdue can make some can make some big noise. They have to win at least two or three games inside the division to make some real noise. I think PJ Flex Minnesota team, they can make a real, they can make some real, real noise. So with that being said, you know, the dark horses are there. The championship game for me is set up Wisconsin Ohio State. I think I think Ohio State makes it to to the college football playoffs as well. I think they play Alabama. Um, I think they play Alabama in. Um, I think they're in the Fiesta Bowl this year, so I think I think um, I say Alabama in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, do I think the national champion will come out of the Big Ten? It's going to be very difficult. It's going to be very difficult. It's going to be very very difficult because the Big Ten East is going to cannibalize itself, just like the just like the SEC West does. I think the Big Ten West will cannibalize itself in in a way. Anyway, because it's so wide open over there, so it you know you look at you look at it from that standpoint. You know, if Wisconsin can pull the upset over Ohio State, you know, hypothetically speaking, you throw the college football playoffs into just a big uproar. So, I, I like I said, I really like Ohio State. I really like what Great Shannon is going to be doing there. I really love 
I, I love JC Barrett. I think I think the world of JC Barrett. That's why I think he'll be the player of the year. But do not go to sleep on guys like Tanner Lee, David Blau, Chase McSorley, Alex Hornibrook, and and Saquon Barkley. I just think that those those are the guys that they could they could possibly just step in and just be great players, along with um. Along with some guys, I mean, you know, like I said, you're gonna see some, you're gonna see some things in the Big Ten that we haven't seen in a long time. But I'm gonna go ahead and wrap up here. And again, I just want to do a special thanks to to the Live by Terrence Network, Diamond uh, Wendy, uh, T Rex. Uh, happy birthday, Valencia, which uh, is T Rex's daughter. Um, she had a birthday. Uh, she turned 15. So, happy birthday to you, um, to my man, Staff Sergeant Doughboy. I hadn't talked to you in a while, man, but I uh, hope everything's well with you. And also, uh, keep a special, uh, special, uh, say a special prayer for one of my closest friends and um Probably one of my one of my closest friends and probably one of my best friends, um, Angelique Colebrook. She was in a car accident um, over the weekend, and she um, she had some injuries. Um, her mom had some injuries as well. Um, so just say a special prayer for them. And I love you guys a lot, and I hope everything is I hope everything gets better for you guys. Um, also. Uh, Special shout out to to the Desert Storm family. Thank you for letting me be a part of part of your your network, and um, it, it's just an awesome thing for me to just spread my love for sports across a big, big, big uh, space that, that you've given me, and and I'm so excited to be a part of the Desert Storm family. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of it, and. Um, to my parents, thank you very much um, for showing me the way. And with that being said, hope everybody has a great week. Hope everybody stays safe, and I will talk to you next. I will talk to you guys next week. So tailgating, y'all. Cause we all got dreams. I keep it rolling cause we all got. 
yeah. The way I see it, it's only me and my team. Motivated by pictures of places I've never been. It's gonna leave the city and search for some better things. My fame and a couple dollars, that's all that's left in my jeans. Ain't accepted by nothing, we gunning by any means. Wide awake on the surface inside, I'm living this dream. Of going city to city with stories of what I've seen. Lost in the translation, the mind of a human being. I'm riding on life's pavement and trying to find what it means. Fighting for something stronger than bottles of Jimmy Bean. Study the moves of legends from Bob Marley to Queens. But drawing my inspiration from race against the machine. Song as a motivation and fueling my self-esteem. Could have been stationary, instead all stations I scheme. Brought myself on a road to becoming something I've seen. It's just the sound of a gentleman getting after his dreams. Run it. <laughs> Run it booth right now. Run it. Run it. Tell C you're gonna have to turn that loud down. <laughs> uh. Gentlemen getting after his dreams. Run it. Dreams. I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. Boy, I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. Yeah, I keep it rolling cause we all got. I keep it rolling cause we all got. Let's take it back to 09. Walking for Arizona's cause none of us have rides Simple minus some stoners, we got nothing but time Now don't it sound bad? I'm talking back when Cuddy was the soundtrack Pursuit of happiness playing, just let it breathe I'm kicking back with my people, I swear it's all that I need Endless vibe on a planet of simply being at ease Started searching for freedom and ended up in the trees I tell you there's nothing hardly that's replicating a feel Party until the AM with rhythm turning the wheels The trials of adolescence, they hella sacred for real From the way that I'm feeling, it's like I'm living, I'm still We born to carry the mission, carrying our tradition Introducing what's missing, the young minds that are lifted I throw myself on the road to living for higher means This just the sound of me getting after my dreams, run it
to DesertStormRadio.com, your global DJ network, brought to you by the world-famous DJ Clue. Clue.